today. We'll start with the New King James Version. Here we go. Paul wrote this. Listen carefully. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Can you say amen? amen. Now, Chris, help me out a minute. I mean, I'm hearing myself about three times. I think it's something to do with the monitors. I'm not sure. Probably sounds good out there, but it's messing me up. Okay. We've been talking to you about the me I want to be. Today we'll conclude that series. I hope it's been a blessing to you. It's based on the premise that each and every one of us are striving to be a better person and to live a better life than the one we're living right now. It's based on the idea that there's a better me than the one you see. That there is still more that I can do and become and there's development that's happening in my life that is, that is, is better than what I am today. You know, I, I, I hope that this year I'm better than last and next year I'll be better than this year because I want to feel the sense that my life is moving forward, that I have not become stagnant and staled and dropped into old habits and mindsets and, and there's no growth and no uh, uh, expansion. And so I want to encourage you in that process um, with me here today. We are addressing the gap between what I am and what I could and should be, the gap. So there is what I am today, and there's what I really want to be, and how can we somehow bridge that gap and bring the two together? I believe that um, it's important that you have an idea about the kind of person you want to be. And the areas of your life that you want to feel progress in and you want to move forward in. I think it's important that you identify those areas and start moving in that direction. Um, when I talk about becoming the me I want to be, I'm not talking about becoming a completely different person. I'm just talking about improving the version that I am. I'm talking about moving forward. And, uh, but I need a vision. I need to be specific concerning that. I'm talking about changing my personal culture. I'm not talking about making the world around me change. I'm talking about reaching within and making some changes in myself about who I am and the way I conduct life. It's about breaking old habits and forming some new ones. Being able to say, you know what, this, is, this habit is not contributing to the better me, the better life, to the person that I want to become. And being able to say, I'm not going to do that anymore, but I'm going to, in, to form better habits that will help me be what I really want to be. At the end of the day, it's just about taking responsibility for yourself, not blaming your environment or those in it, but just taking responsibility for yourself. Now today, I want to talk to you about one of the most important keys to becoming the person you want to be. It's nothing more than the grace of God. Now, understand that there is what the Bible calls earthly wisdom 
and heavenly wisdom. Uh, earthly wisdom, wisdom can be accessed by anyone on earth. There are people that God gives insight and gives knowledge concerning certain areas of life. And then we listen and learn from that person and it's able to elevate our lives. It's earthly wisdom. These people do not have to necessarily be saved, God-fearing people, Bible students, but God gives people wisdom, earthly wisdom in the world. So when you talk about moving life forward, breaking habits, becoming something new, you can go to earthly wisdom. You can read from human writers that have knowledge and wisdom, and they can help you move your life forward in a very valid way. Now, I guess it'd be fair to say that they can also mess your life up, so you need to be careful who you study. But the point is that there is conventional wisdom, there is earthly wisdom that will help you become anything. You know, uh, you can go to Google, and you can write in anything you want, and you can get a huge volume of information, almost any subject you want to study from, and much of it is probably very good and helpful on some level. That's earthly wisdom. But then there is heavenly wisdom. There is another level of thinking. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There comes a time when we have to ascend beyond earthly wisdom and tap into the heavenly wisdom of God's level of thinking. Today, I want to talk to you about heavenly wisdom, something beyond what you're going to read through secular writers, something beyond what you'll see and hear on YouTube and in and other places. This is something that comes from the Scripture. It is a spiritual dynamic. It is a spiritual truth that we all must comprehend. It's called the grace of God. So what is grace, and how does it work, and how, how do we get it? That's what I want to talk to you about today. I begin with this, the statement that the Apostle Paul made in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he simply said this, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. Now, an unbeliever might arrive at the conclusion that I am what I am because I went to a university, because I worked hard and applied myself. Someone else may conclude that I am what I am because, I don't know, that's just the way I am. Someone else may say I am what I am because I just got lucky. But the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men that's ever lived on this planet, one of the most influential humans the world has ever known by far said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And yet the Apostle Paul was a man that had received the highest education of his day. He was a brilliant, learned scholar. He was a very religious man that had ascended to the highest level of the religious order of his day. He was intelligent. He was educated. He was religious. He was confident. He was bold. He was self-assured. He had all the ingredients that someone might say was admirable and keys to success. And yet, Paul said, in all of that, he said, I was a chief of sinners. 
He realized that even though he was educated and intelligent, bold and confident and successful in his field, religious in every way, he realized that he was chief of sinner. So it's possible to be wise in the world and even be religious in the world and still be a chief sinner. And then he goes on to say how that he even persecuted Christians. He didn't realize that he was opposing God. He didn't realize that he was on the wrong side of the argument, but he literally persecuted Christians. And we read the story in the book of Acts how that he held the coats for the people that stoned Stephen, the first martyr of the church. He held their coats while they picked up rocks and stoned him to death. He was very zealous and he was very confident that he was right and that he was doing the right thing. And yet he said, I am unworthy of this grace. I learned something from this. The, first of all, the Apostle Paul had everything that you and I in this world would probably call as successful and, and had his act together and had a good life going on. And yet he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. So he was still unsaved. He was still lost. He was still broken in his heart. Those success seemed to be the covering of his life. The second thing I realize is that when the Apostle Paul got saved and he uh, had an encounter with God, that he, he, he still had a remembrance of his sin. So even though you're forgiven of your sin, you still have a remembrance of your sin. It isn't like that once you're forgiven, you can't remember what you used to do. God leaves the remembrance of it in our heart. It's interesting how the Bible teaches that God cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. And in another place, he said, I throw your sin in a sea of forgetfulness. So God has the ability to wipe from his memory bank my sin, but he doesn't wipe it from my memory bank. You see, it's, it's the remembrance of our former life, the remembrance of our sin, the remembrance of our failure. It's our, the remembrance that helps us to always be thankful and have a sense of humility before God. And so the Apostle Paul remembered his sin, and he did so with a sense of humility, never forgetting that it was by God's grace that he was saved. You remember the story how that he was uh, en route to Damascus when suddenly Jesus appeared to him and revealed himself to him and made him realize that he was called and chosen by God. And it was at that point that the Apostle Paul was radically converted. The fact is God became real to him in that moment. I believe that there are many people that uh, know about God, know of God, and may conduct some sort of a religious life, even a Christian religious life, but really don't have the reality of God in their heart. How real is God to you determines much about how you live your life out. It was in that moment that Jesus appeared to Paul that Jesus and God became very, very real. He had studied religion, but he had never had the reality of God in his heart was also in that encounter that he recognized that his life was chosen. His life had significance, that God had a plan for his life, a, a road for him to walk that he was not walking. When he realized that his life had meaning and purpose and significance and he was not walking that out, he immediately began to make a change. He submitted his whole person, 
He submitted his future to God. And as a result, he became the great apostle Paul. All of this, he said, was because of grace. You see, it's God's grace that radically transformed his life. So, I'm talking about becoming the me I want to be and bridging the gap between who I am and who I want to be. And how is that going to happen? Well, there's a lot of practical advice that we've shared with you and a lot of good things that we hope has helped. But at the end of the day, it's not about practical advice or, 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 or keys or steps or any of those things. It's about God's grace and work in our heart that helps us to bridge the gap between who we are and who we want to be. The Apostle Paul confirms that about how that it was God's grace at work in his heart that made the difference. I want to call your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Again, Paul writing said, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the image, into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Paul in this segment of, of, of writing says that we're beholding Christ like in a mirror. And we're being transformed from glory to glory. Bridging that gap, becoming something more than we've ever been. We're being transformed. The word transform is a great word study. If in your study this week you want to follow an interesting study, just dig deep into the Greek word for transform, which is the word metamorpho. It's the same word we get metamorphosis from. Metamorphosis is that amazing transformation that takes place from a caterpillar to a butterfly. You look at a caterpillar, you know, long slender body, legs and elbows and knees and feet sticking everywhere. And then he goes through a metamorphosis, a metamorpho, a transformation. And after a certain period of time, he comes out looking very different, radically changed from what he was as a caterpillar. His whole life, his whole approach to life, his whole look, everything has changed because now the caterpillar has become a butterfly. Transformation, metamorphosis, is the gap between the caterpillar and the butterfly. And this is the same language that the Apostle Paul used when he talked about how that we start out one way and we end up something else. We start out looking and acting and feeling and living our lives out in this way, but then we are transformed. We go through metamorphosis and suddenly we become something very different. This happened in the Apostle Paul's life. And if you've given your life to Christ and submitted to him to walk with him, you're in that process of metamorpho. You're in that process of being transformed into the image of Christ. The fact is, uh, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace is that force, that power that transforms us. And Jesus came to give us grace. Grace has been defined as the unmerited favor of God. It's also been defined as the power and the desire to do God's will. And so when grace comes into us, it isn't just God's smile and a nod, but it is a force and it is a power that is put in us that cause us to be something we could not otherwise be. 
with all the self-help and the self-discipline and the courses to how to be a better person and all the deliverance and all the, the seven, twelve steps and all, all of that, it all falls short if you don't have the power of God's grace working inside of you. And grace, my friend, is entirely available to us all. This process of transformation takes time. It takes the right environment. And it takes a genetic predisposition. You know, uh, not every creature that God created is like the caterpillar that becomes the butterfly. Only certain animals and certain insects go through this kind of transformation. You see, that caterpillar has a genetic predisposition. He is programmed to be transformed into a butterfly. It's in him. And I believe that when you as a child of God are born into the kingdom of God at the point of your salvation, there is a genetic predisposition in you. There is something that God puts inside of you to transform you from what you were into what he desires for you to be. The code is already there. The, the potential is already inside of you. He put that same thing in you that he put in the caterpillar. And if we submit ourselves to the process, we're going to transform from a caterpillar to a butterfly, from the person we were to the person God wants us to be. It's a process. And as we submit ourselves to that process, great and wonderful things begin to happen. God virtually created us to change. Our environment is a critical element of that. The fact is, God uses unique things that happen around me to help transform me. You know, I, I, I'm convinced by the Scripture that things that happen in my life that are unpleasant and undesirable, something that I didn't want to happen, have a dual nature to them. On one hand, they're intended by Satan to harm me, if not even destroy me. But on the other hand, that same exact event or circumstance has the power to transform me. It can either be a weapon of Satan to destroy me or an instrument of God to transform me. And the decision becomes mine, how I will respond, how I will react, what I will do in regards to what is going on in my life. I choose to believe that when bad things happen around me, that it is God's effort to transform me and to help me become the person that I want to be. So... I'm not saying God thought it up, God put it on me, God made it happen, it was God's idea. I'm just saying God is God and he can take bad things that the enemy does and convert them to something good in our lives. So the process of transformation depends greatly on your environment and how you respond to it. It also takes time. These things do not happen overnight. There are just some things in walking for God and living for God that only time can do. Um, <clears throat> some move faster than others. Some make more progress than others. And I watch people grow rapidly and others seem to grow slowly. And that's, that's life. It takes time. It takes time. Submit yourself to the process. Stay committed to the process. And over time, God will transform you. And you can look back and say, I'm not really the same person that I used to be by God's grace working in me. Can you say amen? amen? Now, grace is available to everyone. I want to show you another verse, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Jesus Christ came and brought grace and truth. 
and grace has appeared to all men. Everyone has access to grace. Jesus came so that we could have grace, grace that saves us, grace that transforms us. Then he went on to say, teaching us. What does, what does grace do? It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Can you say amen? So what does grace do? It comes in and starts messing up my life. It starts teaching us, that's wrong, this is right. Do that, don't do this. Start this, stop that. That's what grace does. It comes in and it starts to change the way we live. You know, you can live and do things that are not helpful or harmful. They may even be sinful and hardly have any, even any um, awareness of how wrong and sinful it is. And then grace comes in. It's like turning the light on in a dark room. And suddenly you see something that you didn't, couldn't see before. The Spirit of God can turn the light on areas of our lives. And when He turns the light on, He also turns the grace up. So we can deal with the things that He wants us to deal with in our life. So grace has appeared to everyone. When you tap into this grace, it suddenly gives you the strength and the power to begin to make godly changes in your life. Grace motivates us and empowers us to live beyond ourselves, to live beyond what we would otherwise do, but become our very best for Christ's sake. You heard me say earlier that grace is the power and the desire to do God's will. This is where I get that from, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This time I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm going to go to the New Living Translation right here. Sorry about that, guys. That was my fault. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. He said, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Wow. So God is working in me, giving me the desire and the power. Would you say it with me? Desire and power. Get on board with me. Desire and power. That's what grace is. It's the desire and the power. You see, it's possible to have the desire but not have the power to walk it out. It's possible to want it, desire it, to know it would be good and really want it, but not have the power to complete it. So grace is more than just a desire, but grace is the power. It's the power and the desire to do God's will. That's what grace is. So when grace comes, you have a desire to live for God. When grace comes, you have a desire to do the right things and to transform your life. When grace comes, you have the power to start the process it's the power of God that is working in all of us. Notice that he went on to say, work hard to show the result of your salvation. So it isn't just about grace. It's a, a cooperative effort. It's God's grace working in me. But you know, when God's grace works in me, I have to work hard. 
I have to put energy and time and effort. It isn't easy to be transformed. It isn't without me. It isn't like automatic push button, put in the code and, then, and hit and enter and it all happens. Paul said, you have to work hard. You've got to put energy and effort in it. You know, in this, in this series, we've been talking to you about something that is not automatic. And in the, at the end of this service, we're going to pray for you for God's grace to increase over you. But after we pray for you, you're still going to have to work hard. It takes the grace working in you and you working in the grace. Can you say amen? Paul worked very, very hard to become the person he was and have the ministry that he had. <clears throat> and in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, he talks about how, that, how hard he worked. He said, I worked harder than all the other apostles because I didn't want the grace that God had given me to be in vain. Think about that. So the Apostle Paul said, everything I have and everything I've done is all by grace. But he said, I worked hard, harder than all the other apostles. Because I didn't want the grace to be in vain. To be in vain means to be, to lack fruit. To lack evidence. To lack effect. And so he just simply said, you know, when I realized this wonderful free gift of God's grace that saved me and is transforming me, I realized that I was going to have to engage or that grace would have been in vain. He would have saved me. He would have given me the power of his love and greatness and goodness in my heart, but it would not bear fruit. It would not be effective. He said, so I worked hard because I didn't want grace to be in vain. I hope in this verse you can hear the heart of this Apostle Paul, and it will touch you deep in your heart and say, you know what? God has been so good to me. God has blessed me and saved me and forgiven me and given me chance after chance and blessed me anyway, and I don't want his grace to be in vain. I want his grace to bear fruit in my life. You have to engage in the process. Work hard to show results of your salvation. You know, it's an insult to the grace of God and the blood of Jesus to remain unchanged. Now, as a soul winner, a minister of the gospel, I lead a lot of people to Christ and have the privilege of ushering people into the kingdom of God. Many of them go on to live fruitful, productive lives of godliness and righteousness. Many of them accept God's grace and accept his salvation and change very little, if anything. Some make temporary changes only to revert back to their former self. It's an insult to the grace of God to go unchanged. But it isn't just true for those that recently gave, to the heart of the, gave their hearts to the Lord. But it's true for all of us that get to a place in life where we just stop progressing Stop moving forward and bridging the gap between who I am and who Christ created me to be. I don't want his grace to be in vain. Can you say amen? amen. Now, <clears throat> how do I get this grace? I mean, obviously I need it. Um, I want it. How do I get grace? Um, <clears throat> throughout our lives, we confront different 
things about ourselves and habits and ideas and mindsets and things we do, and we realize it's not fruitful, not helpful, needs to change. And so we try really hard to change it. But then we get tired and we fail and we quit. And then guilt floods us because we said we were, we knew we need to, we tried, but we couldn't do it. And we failed and we quit. And so somewhere along the way, we gather back up and we try again. And this time we try harder. And the point is, I need more than flesh. I need more than a strong mind. I I need more than self-control and self-discipline. I I need more than that. I, I need God's grace inside of me to help. Where do I get that grace? The fact is, grace comes when we give our hearts and lives to the Lord. Grace comes when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace comes into our hearts, and we are transformed by His grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it said, God saved you by His grace when you believed. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And so when you believe, the grace of God comes upon you to save you and to begin this transformation process. And so if... You're in the process, and you feel like the grace is running thin. We have to go back to God and ask for more grace. Now, I have a saying that goes like this. The grace runs thin right before the grace runs out. Um, So how do I know that my grace is running thin? First of all, I have a lessened desire. Secondly, I have less strength and energy, and I find myself forcing and pushing myself. So the grace runs thin right before the grace runs out. And so uh, let me apply this for you. Um, Let's say that I've been given a task. If I have an assignment, if there's a season in my life when God has me doing something and and some situation is going on there, um, toward the end of that season... The grace for that season tends to run thin, and I find my desire levels going down, and I find my my pushing myself uh, rather than being pushed. And so I go back to God, and I say, God, if either I'm low on grace and I need to be refilled, or I'm coming to an end of a season, and there's going to be a new grace for the new season. And you would have to know what area of your life you're talking about. And so um, when the grace starts to run thin and and you're losing grace, however you're applying it at this moment, remember that your desire level goes down and your strength and energy level goes down. And when that happens, you've got to go back to the throne of grace to receive help from the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He said, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive the mercy and will find grace to help in the way we need it most. So we go back to the throne of a gracious God, and he gives us more grace. So it's entirely biblical that when I'm feeling weak, I'm feeling fatigued, I'm feeling like I don't have the strength to continue and do what I need to do. Go back and say, God, I need more grace. 
And the word said that he will give us his grace when we go to him. He will re- we will receive mercy and grace. He's not going to be mad at me because I've fallen or weakened. I'm going to find mercy from him, understanding and kindness. And then he's going to increase and raise the level of my grace. And so we go back to the throne. We're renewed in grace, refilled with the Holy Spirit. We make a new commitment to do his will. We regather and we make a new fresh start. It's a cycle. and It's something we must all learn how to do is to go to the throne of grace receive new fresh grace, make a brand new commitment, and go at it again with God's power at work within us. Remember this, grace is all you need. Grace is all you need. Grace is all you need. Wherever you are in the process, just know His grace is enough. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, New Living Translation. Paul was referring to a challenge he was having in his own life. He said, the Spirit spoke to him these words, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So when you and I offer our weakness to God, he offers his power and his strength, his grace back to us. You know, you may not be that far away from the person you want to be, not as far as you think. Sometimes the smallest changes can produce huge results. Sometimes it feels like something is way out there and I'll never make it when the truth is it's close and is at hand. God's grace is here today. And I wanted to close this series and I wanted to close this service in time of prayer for you. If you're struggling with something in your life, going through situations that are draining you and, and uh, uh, depleting your energy and your, your strength, I want to pray with you for God's grace to come upon you and lift you up and strengthen you and give you the courage to go forward and do God's will in your life. You know, you don't need to get down on yourself. You just need to go to the throne of grace. You don't need to get mad at anybody, get mad at God. Just go to the throne of grace and let him pour new energy, new life, and new strength into you and stand you up again so that you can say like the Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So I want to take some time and pray this morning for a release of grace. Now, This could involve several areas of your life. I'll start with sin. There may be some areas of your life that you know you're in disobedience to God and you want to get that out of your life and you want to fix that. You know, there's a grace here to help you overcome that and not continue to be a slave to it. It could be a a struggle you're having in some area of your life, a difficult situation, and you're feeling weakened as you carry that load and push through that circumstance. Grace is going to come upon you today. You may have an assignment that uh, is ahead, and you're wondering, do I have the strength, the ability? Do I have the grace to complete my assignment? This is your time and this is your day for God to give you the grace and the strength. It's God's power working within you. It goes far beyond your own ability to just suck it up and do what's right. It's God's grace and God's power working within you. You know, if you've ever used tools that were hand tools versus power tools, you 
might understand the difference in God's grace. If you take a saw, it takes muscle, and it takes strength, and it takes energy. But if you can pick up an electric saw, all you got to do is pull the trigger. It'll do the work for you. And grace is God's power saw. It's his power tools. It's his ability to come in you and you and give you the strength and the energy to do what you could not do of your own self. It's God's grace. You may close your Bibles now as we come to a close this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. And as you probably already know, we're here to pray with you and come into agreement with you. Um, If you're here today and you, Pastor, I, I need a fresh touch of God's grace in unique areas of my life. You don't have to tell us, you know, personal things, private things. That's not what we're here for. Just give us an idea. Give us a direction. Give us something general that we can pray with you about and ask God's grace to come upon you. God's grace to come upon you and give you renewed energy and renewed strength and renewed power in your life. Just look at it like this. This is an altar and we're just people. But by you coming, it's the throne of grace. It's your opportunity to receive grace to help for whatever it is that you might need. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you need prayer for anything going on in your life, anything you're you're endeavoring to do, if you're trying to break old habits and start new ones, let us pray for you today and ask God's grace to be upon you. Now, Father, we have declared your word and given your promise. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch the hearts of the people, that they would respond to your word and the opportunity that is before them today. I pray against fear, pride, shame, intimidation, and all those things. And I release a holy boldness on the people of God, and even those that might be a guest today, that they would come forward and receive the help that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. And if you need prayer ministry for anything, come forward right now. We want to pray with you. If you've never given your life to Christ, what a glorious opportunity this is. All you have to do is come down and say, I want to give my life to Christ. We'll give you a few simple instructions and pray with you. And God will begin a beautiful process in you. He'll save you in that moment, transform your life forever. So if you've never given your life to Christ, this is your moment. You can come to any of these men and women down here that you like. We'll be happy to pray with you. In addition to that, uh, if you've been away from God and you're, you know, just made some decisions, it's kind of taken you off course, you want to get back on track with God, I want to invite you to come forward right now. We'll pray with you. Just come down and say, hey, I want to get back on track with God. I just want to get back in the right place. That's good enough. We'll take it from there. There's a grace released, grace released to you here today in this altar. So I want to invite you to come. We're going to take just a moment, sing this song. And any of you that are considering coming, I hope that you'll do so right now. Oh, I need.
Now, as you can see, people are coming forward to receive prayer. The same will happen to you if you'll come forward. We invite you to do that today. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. I'm going out to the foyer, and I hope I get to see you there before you leave. I want to pray this prayer over you, and then you may be dismissed today. And again, if you need prayer ministry, you can come forward now. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May goodness and mercy follow you and the Holy Spirit overshadow you. May the joy of the Lord be your strength and the grace of God empower you for your life. I pray this over you all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for being here today. These altars are open.